Hello and welcome to World Travel Essential, produced by Ormont Global. I'm Richard Barnes. This week, surprise, surprise, the UK is closing all travel corridors. Israel announces a plan to open up fully to tourists by mid-year. Saudi Arabia has just launched a major new tourism TV ad campaign. Malaysia announces a new 10-year plan. Travel guru Mary Gostolo takes us to one of her favourite hotels in the UK. And, in our special feature, one of the world's top hotel tech experts gives us his vision for the coming year. But now, to the essentials. All UK travel corridors, which allow arrivals from some countries to avoid having to quarantine, have now closed. Travellers arriving in the UK, whether by boat, train or plane, also have to show proof of a negative COVID-19 test to be allowed entry. Test must be taken in the 72 hours before travelling, and anyone arriving without one faces a fine of up to £500. All passengers will still be required to quarantine for up to 10 days. The government has said the travel corridor closure will be in force until at least the 15th of February. As Israel rolls out a major COVID vaccination campaign, the country's Ministry of Tourism has prepared a work plan for bringing back tourists in the middle of 2021. The plan is reported to include adaptation to the corona era in all areas covered by the ministry's activities. That is to say, marketing, infrastructure and the tourist experience. At the same time, Israel's proposed green passports for anyone who's vaccinated will negate quarantine and allow access to public events and restaurants. The Ministry of Tourism, together with the Ministry of Health, have spearheaded a declaration of Eilat and the Dead Sea Hotels area as special tourist areas. As such, Israelis have been permitted to vacation in these areas during the pandemic, subject to restrictions and a negative test result. A new campaign called Bring Tourism Back to Israel was launched by the Ministry of Tourism to encourage Israelis to holiday in these areas. The Kingdom of Saudi Arabia has launched a major tourism TV ad campaign hot on the heels of an announcement that the nation will lift travel restrictions and allow the resumption of international flights from March 31st. KSA was one of the first countries to close its borders on the 21st of December as a second wave of coronavirus pandemic swept the world, boosted in Europe by the new UK and South African variants of the virus. Rather than simply banning flights from the UK and South Africa, as a number of countries did, Saudi Arabia instead opted for a blanket ban on entry from all countries, whether by air, land or sea. The official Saudi press agency has published a statement from the Ministry of the Interior announcing that all land and seaports will reopen, allowing the entry and exit of all nationals and residents. At the same time, KSA has launched a major TV ad campaign promoting international tourism on global networks such as CNN International. Well, there's no doubt about it. The COVID-19 crisis is taking a toll not only on business, but also on morale as well. To this end, the World Travel and Tourism Council has just released a set of mental health guidelines for the travel and tourism sector. Compiled to support businesses of all sizes to support the mental health of their employees, the mental health guidelines build on the diversity and inclusion guidelines released by WTTC in 2020, going one step deeper to focus on mental well-being. 
Malaysia has announced a new 10-year plan to relaunch its tourism sector. The Southeast Asian nation is estimated to have lost the equivalent of 20 billion euros over the past year due to the coronavirus pandemic in the tourism sector alone. Malaysia had initially targeted 30 million tourists last year through its Visit Malaysia 2020 program, up from 28 million the previous year. Malaysia closed its borders to most foreigners in March, with entry strictly limited to business purposes as part of restrictions imposed to stem the spread of the coronavirus. Prime Minister Muhyiddin Yassin held a virtual press conference in which he launched the new tourism targets. He says new policy will be focused on strengthening competitiveness, encouraging sustainable and inclusive tourism, as well as planning for future disasters. It also seeks to reinforce Brand Malaysia as an eco-tourism destination, with a commitment towards balancing development with conservation of the natural environment and heritage. In 2019, tourism accounted for 15.9% of Malaysia's gross domestic product. Well, time to get your spacesuits on, as the space tourism market is set to generate around 8 billion US dollars by 2030, according to a new report by NSR. The organization's Space Tourism and Travel Markets Second Edition report says the market's driven by suborbital tourism, which will accelerate once Virgin Galactic and Blue Origin launches take place in late 2021. Virgin Galactic and Blue Origin lead the suborbital market, and all eyes will be on them to help make a firm statement that this market is for real. But when commercial rockets launched crewed missions to the ISS this year, indications pointed to orbital flight potentially taking the lead. The bright side is that with such high demand, the sky will soon no longer be the limit for space tourism. And this is true across all types of space tourism services. Well, still up in the sky, Qatar Airways has resumed flights to Riyadh for the first time since 2017. The airline will operate a daily service to Riyadh on a wide-body aircraft. Qatar Airways also resumed flights to Jeddah on Friday 15th of January and to Damam on Saturday the 16th. Taiwan's boutique startup airline Starlux is looking at Los Angeles as the first of many new US flight routes planned for 2022. It's reported that the new premium carrier has applied to the Department of Transport to serve 15 destinations across the US, with non-stop A350-900 flights from Taipei. On to hotel news, and Hyatt Hotels have announced the opening of Grand Hyatt Al-Khobar Hotel and Residences in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. It's the first Grand Hyatt Hotel in the Kingdom. The 368-room luxury hotel, including 54 residential units, is situated in the commercial and retail heart of Al-Khobar, with a connecting bridge to Al-Rashid Mall. It's the sixth Hyatt brand hotel in Saudi Arabia, and the fifth hotel under the Grand Hyatt brand in the Middle East, making it an important milestone in Hyatt's growth strategy in the region. Well, now we travel to a new luxury hospitality destination with the world's number one expert in the field, Mary Gostelow. This week, she takes us to London. Hi, this is Mary Gostelow. This week, I'm talking to you about the Hari London Belgravia. That's H-A-R-I. Yes, the same as the Hong Kong Hotel. And they're both called, in fact, after the uh, father of the chairman of the only f owning family 
Aaron Haralila is the brains behind the Hari brand. I love this London hotel because you can walk so easily throughout Belgravia, up and down Sloane Street, and it's under seven minutes to both Harvey Nichols and also Harrods. There are 85 rooms, and last time I stayed in 703, looking out over the little corner roads outside. One of the secrets of this hotel is that the general manager, Andrew Coney, calls himself actually chief mischief maker and I don't think he really is a mischief maker. He actually wanted to be prime minister many years ago when he was a little boy. It's got a compact reception and leading off this is a really divine, casual, all-purpose eating place that deliberately can only be entered through the hotel. So it's rather like a club. Go up, what is it, 26 stairs, I think, up to a mezzanine level, and there you have a really private little um, boutique lounge that is the meeting place for all the knowledgeable locals. And from there, you can go to an outside terrace. You have a 24-7 gym. You have superfood. You have a room that has everything that you need. Last time I was there, I even had a little real hazelnut tree and they kindly invited me to take it home. Well, it was only uh, 18 inches high, but that was a lovely little touch, a lovely souvenir. And during Chelsea Flower Show every May, by the way, the entire hotel is decorated inside and out with flowers. There you are, you see. The Hari London Belgravia offers lots of unique points. Thanks, Mary. And indeed, sometimes it is the little things that count. Well, time now for our special feature. And this week, we pop over virtually to pay a visit on an old mate of mine, Fraser Hickox. Fraser happens to be one of the top global authorities when it comes to hotel technologies. That's no doubt why he's in the HFTP Hall of Fame. Well, I asked Fraser how he sees technology going as we head into a new year. The changes we're going to see will be more in guest-facing stuff. I think television is going to go through a remarkable change where you can stay in a hotel and you can watch your television from wherever in Australia and I can stay and watch television from New Guinea or whatever. And this is broadening out now much more. Rather than watching an American movie, which is already two years old or whatever, and I don't really want to see anyway, I think it's about I, me and my and it'll be in my language, and you'll have it in your, your language, and it'll be an emphasis that you're, you really need. Now, two ways of doing this. One is obviously casting, and if people carry their phone, they can cast from their, their telephone. But I think you're going to find that there's going to be a home page that you can go to on the TV set, and you can click on any link, you know, BBC, FR1, Deutsche Welle, whatever. It'll all be there. And that's really where it's going. Now, the reason behind that 
is that satisfies the guest right this minute. In a next day, they couldn't care less. It's a different set of priorities, you know. The other side I see is uh, enhancing guest services, not so much for the guest, but for the hotel operation. How do we make this more efficient? How do we know what's happening inside of the room and we know how to respond to it? And, and that is, instead of having somebody running around the, the hotel knocking on doors to see if people want their room service, we'll actually see it automatically in the housekeeping office. And likewise, if they push their room service trolley into the corridor, we know immediately to come take it away. And we don't have to have somebody ringing down or, or we're going to leave food scraps in the corridor for a day. These are the sort of things that we're going to... You know, now I know people have all ideas about touchless technology and things like this, and I, I agree to some extent touchless technology is there, but, you know, frankly, people won't use it. You know, it hasn't been tremendously successful in America. I see Hilton are doing it, but I'm not I'm not excited by it. Again, I want something that's going to tickle me, not just for me to smile at, but actually when I get in the room, this is the reason I'm in the room, is because I can do this, this, and this. And I think that's important. What about uh, robotics, uh, Fraser? Because I've seen uh, over the past couple of years robotic cleaning devices, robotic delivery devices to rooms. What's happening with robotics? Uh, mainly back of house, laundries for linen and things like this. Robotics works very well. In fact, uh, in Saudi Arabia, I'm looking at robotics for their laundry for six hotels. But in terms of something running around the corridor and knocking on doors, it's a bit of a gimmick. The other thing I was, I'm very interested in is lighting and the use of theta lighting and circadian lighting to help people relax and find that find a level of sleep. In theta lighting, we bring the brain down to about 8 hertz and then you feel dozy, go through this, the first stage of, of sleep and uh, uh, it helps people to sleep. And I think that's going to grow because we're all under a lot of pressure. We've got a way to do it. Our brain normally works at about 18 hertz, so we're bringing it down to a sleep mode. I think um, those are the sort of things that are important. I think the bathroom experience could be better. We're looking at um, projecting things on the ceiling now. Uh, so when you're having a, a spa bath with uh, she who talks loudly, and uh, you can relax and maybe listen to some nice music or something. But it's... It's all these sort of things. It's about touching me now rather than touching me on my next visit. At Peninsula, we always used to look at what can we do so that when the guests leave the hotel, they appreciate what they've missed. I think nowadays it's got to be there right up in front of them in their face. It's a different world. That's the direction I see it going. Maybe I'm wrong, but, you know, frankly, the hotels that record all this technology about what the guest is doing, thinking or smelling, you know, they don't even touch the technology. They don't even take the, the information and use it. There's nobody in there that can use it. And that's really just overkill. It's about make me happy now, satisfy me. The only other thing I could see uh, coming is more in the, the health stuff, which is what you were talking about the other day. And, you know, I'm doing a project on equatorial at present. And they have taken a very enlightened approach to health services. And I think that's going to grow because the younger people are more aware of it. Me, I couldn't care less, but the younger people do. Uh, I've got a son who 
who, as you, you know, is married to one of the, the kids from uh, Galaxy Hotel in Macau. And uh, his view on things is that people really appreciate the health services, you know, having a, a place which is not just where you go and work out, but you have uh, treatments uh, for different things. And I think that, that's got an opportunity. So that's really where I see it. And things like the meeting rooms, why can't the meeting rooms, when they, you have a meeting, then link the meeting room to the individual rooms so they can watch the procedure or they can get messages or they can be fed videos of the sponsors or whatever to their rooms only for the length of the period that they're in the hotel. Make that more useful, more tactile. I, I think we're learning to live with video screens nowadays and we can do other things while somebody's rambling on about something we're not very interested in. Um, and to that end too, I would suggest we consider Zoom rooms. A Zoom room is a room where you do exactly what we're doing, but with a group of people. And uh, so instead of flying people from all over the world, you put a group of people from one city to talk to a group of people from another city and you widen the discussion. And uh, I think that's that's got some legs on it. So that's, that's really where I see it, Richard. I, I, maybe I'm old and silly and I don't know what I'm talking about. But I really do believe it's more about I, me and my. Well, thanks very much to Fraser Hickox, who has in the past sometimes been referred to as Q, of course, referring to the James Bond movies. But I think nowadays, with what's going on in the States, he might not want to be known as Q anymore. Fraser Hickox, thanks very much. Well, that just about wraps up this edition of World Travel Essential. And a reminder, of course, that if you'd like to hear more from Mary Gostado, you can catch her Girl Ahead podcast every week on all major podcast platforms. This is Richard Barnes saying thanks for joining us. We'll be back again same time next week. Mm-hmm.